how are we looking? I'm actually doing a sound check. Look at that. Maybe it'll make it in the final cut. Yeah, so will all my groaning, I guess, because I got a microphone in front of me for a change. Let's check the computer feed. Okay, computer works, voice works, bass kind of works. And that shit is hilarious. That's Doug Womble playing bass. <laughs> it's hilarious because it's so good. Annoying. One of the few guitar players who actually plays really good bass ever since getting rid of that horrific Parker fly and making really strange videos, taking the piss out of me. Um, yeah, I'm playing that because Chelsea is gone. Chelsea is on the road. I'm bringing the podcast back, and Chelsea is on the road, about to be on the road with Doug, uh, Doug Womble, and Morgan James. That's from her new album, the White Album. Um, literally just came out, I think. That was back in the USSR. They recorded the entire White Album Beatles record over again. Doug plays bass all over it. Chelsea is going to do three weeks with them in Europe. Um, that is once she gets done with Dust Bowl Revival. Now, if I was really professional, I would have had a little bit of Dust Bowl's music up and running to really make that transition tight. But this is the new podcast. This is super unedited. Everything's going in. I think it's maybe the most efficient way to create content. Here you go. Dust Bowl. Let's get down to some action. Okay, maybe not that track. There we go. pretty badass that is what chelsea's doing right now in the midwest i'm sad that she's gone but i am making the most of the time i have like long days at home with the creatures with charlotte with shoal and carla with cole and charlotte um making stuff and the podcast seems it was the first thing i really did online and it seems like the most efficient way of getting information out there and uh, creating content and speaking my mind and archiving thoughts and ideas and playing so kind of got the little setup here as you can hear i got a computer plugged in i got the microphone nice and close and the bass i don't know how much i use of the bass but i am practicing i'm warming up um i should probably come up with a little intro Hi, welcome to the Anikwiz Dollar Podcast. Some bullshit like that. But again, super ghetto. Don't really need that or any editing. And um, yeah, go go check out Morgan James's website if you want to catch Chelsea playing live. She's on the road for all the nerds out there with the with the Mustang, with the newly refinished matte black Mustang and the Aguilar. Tone Hammer DI, that's it. No amp on stage. Oof. Kind of a nightmare to do that. I've done that a few times on the road. It's not a lot of fun, but that pedal really, really helps. And having a good set of in-ears as well. And there's me the last few days thinking, okay, I'm going to bring the podcast back and I'm not going to talk about gear at all. And the first 90 seconds, there it is, already talking about the super geek stuff. Also not 
comfortable where I'm sitting right now. I feel like this is very much the beginning and I will go and invest in a bunch of stuff that will help my cause and make this a little bit more comfortable. Like not being attached to my in-ears, for instance, getting a nice pair of headphones. And maybe having the mic on a slightly more adjustable stand than basically I've got it on a what looks like a kick drum mic stand sitting on my desk. So I'm pretty much dialed into one height. And I do want to play because I want to be efficient with the time and I really have to play every day right now. At least I don't have to, but I'm actually feeling it for a change, which is kind of nice. That, as I'm sure most of you are aware, if you're a musician of any kind, be that bass player or otherwise, I'm sure you're well aware that that doesn't happen all the time, that you're actually really... As the theme tune again, really motivated to practice, but I am right now. And it's not just because there's like long days, long nights without Chelsea being here. It's actually, I really feel like I'm getting somewhere and I'm working on something new. Um, it's the same old melodic minor bullshit, but actually some new shapes and some new things. And I'm remembering how much I hate recording with uh, with headphones. I've got my in-ears in right now, so I want to get a little bit of something, a little bit of special sauce on the bass so it doesn't sound so completely bone dry. Uh, let's see. i got some pedals down here, which are, of course, out of, out of reach. Let's see how that sounds. Ooh, that's a little big. A little too much. Yeah, okay, maybe that. Yeah, maybe that'll work. It still sounds horrible in my headphones, so maybe the inevitable will happen and I will actually mix some of this after I'm done taping here. But the podcast it was like the first thing, the first kind of content I really created online. It was really successful for what it was it was short you guys can go back and, and listen to those old episodes from like oh six or oh seven something over 10 years ago that's kind of what got me into the online space and i totally spaced on the fact that it was easy to create i could talk a little bit about music play a little use it as some practice time and people used to at least used to dig it and I've been on a bunch of other people's podcasts and I've had guests on my podcast and I will do a bunch of that as well. Always fun sitting down and talking to people. And I listen to podcasts in general. It's like that thing of being in the car, not being able to watch, no video component, but being able to listen to a conversation, being able to listen to someone's thought process and you know, listen to them work out an idea, have a, have a, have a problem and find a solution um, for it. And I want to say, I have a couple of those right now. Ah. And just trying to connect ideas. I think that's my, the, the thing I'm trying to work on right now is trying to connect ideas as much as possible. And... 
Yeah, not making if I'm trying to stay within a harmony and within a specific sound, not making kind of what I consider to be mistakes like that, like playing an E flat on a on an F um, F melodic minor sound. Um, and then when I took the idea, I took it down a whole step, and I, but I took it like. Yeah. I really took it down and then just played the I played that E flat there and really to stay in that sound maybe E natural or D natural you get so many triads and arpeggios out of that sound but I do like switching between the melodic and the harmonic especially when it comes when it comes to the 5-1 I'll already think about you know C with that flat 9 and won't go to the D natural I'll play the D flat a lot won't go to the D natural until I hit the 1 Then on the one also, like I said, switching between five and, and uh, sharp five there, or flat six in the voicing. And then thinking about, you know, we're not thinking, because <laughs> that's thinking, thinking when you're in the middle of something, especially playing or improvising, won't get you too far, except stalled or slowed down or stopped or kind of interrupted. But working on the... Um, you know, C altered going to F, F minor. And when it's C altered, just being D flat melodic minor. So basically switching between D flat melodic minor or C sharp melodic minor and F melodic minor. Uh, for the five to one. Ah, and getting that E flat in there again. I gotta get that shape out of my vocabulary. And then just going back and listening to people who do that way, way better than I do. And because I have everything kind of dialed in here, I have a little access to that, like right away. I'm just trying to think what would be a good example of that. Oof, yeah. Um, if you know this track, oh, it really, really helps if I have the computer on input. But then you get that kind of high pitch. I gotta get rid of that high pitch thing for when the computer is on and playing back music. Yeah, the louder I make the track, that's an issue. All right, we'll work on that. But Mike playing on this.
and normally just listening to a few minutes of this. It's crazy, even if it's not like a specific harmonic or melodic thing that I get from uh, from listening to a couple of minutes of mic play or a few seconds in that case. It, it, could, it could be a time and a sound thing. You know, I always talk about the importance of time and sound, sound and time over everything. And uh, I think that that's probably what that does. Just a few seconds of that gets me in the right place. Uh, to be thinking about the right things, to be conscious of the right things while I'm practicing. Yeah, intonation not so great right now and my loop pedal is out of reach did not think this one through ah. must plan better okay <laughs> uh, let's get something in here that I can practice to So time and overthinking, that's what's happening right now. And this is, these are the kind of things that happen, you know, every day. It's not just the cool moments of like playing well on a gig or the, the clips that make it to YouTube. It's the reality of sometimes the time is just not there. Sometimes the sound is not there, the ideas, like lots of things. And then getting way inside it and identifying those things and being okay with that as well. <laughs> That's always a good ego check. Because do I really want to practice? You know, do I really want to go backwards right now and get way deep into the to the simple elements of my playing? And the answer is, well, if I really want the, the outcome, the desired eventual outcome, then yeah, I absolutely want that. And I need that. And luckily, it's like days like today when I'm... I'm totally motivated to do it and I've got over the I don't know, anxiety of putting the, putting the mic on and just letting it all go and leaving everything on the podcast definitely not at the point of being able to just you know Joe Rogan style that shit and broadcast, broadcast it live um, on YouTube and then leave it up and also put the audio on iTunes maybe that maybe that would be a thing Maybe I can start doing these things live on YouTube. Let's see. Mm -hmm. 
I'm right on cue. Cole has found a squeaky toy. Hey, buddy. Let's see how long he persists with it. Oh, he's going. So. So if the time is not really happening, I'll go to something that's really kind of musically familiar. And just try and be consistent with it. Like Cole is being with the squeaker right now. Different string set. And descending as well as ascending. Left hand starting to burn a little bit now. In a good way. Trying to focus on staying relaxed. Go to a different string set. A little, little tougher, the A and the D string now. Thicker strings. Action is pretty high. Probably picking up a lot of fret noise in the vocal mic from the sounds things, but that's the reality. Okay. That feels like a set, like I was in the gym and doing something, and now I need like a 60-second rest. So many parallels with that stuff. So many parallels about working out, you know, on the instrument with the right intent and being able to focus that intensity, that concentration, that focus at the right times and knowing when to rest, how long to rest. Really interesting. I don't know, probably know the answers to any of those questions in the broad sense. I know what works for me. I guess the advice, not that any of you ask for my freaking advice, but if if you did, <laughs> the unsolicited advice would be um, to listen to yourself. You know, I definitely felt like my left hand was like getting a little tense, burning a little bit because that's a, like a big workout for the left hand there for whatever that was, 60 seconds, 90 seconds maybe to three different string sets. Same exercise up and down. Now I've been yakking to you guys for 30, 45 seconds, something. Maybe we go again. Start down on the E string. Maybe go E and A. That's even harder. Ah. Yeah. Especially when I get high up on the low string. Then the action gets really high. Yeah, not so bad, feeling pretty good. And then experimenting doing short bursts like that with an even shorter rest. Was that like 30 seconds and then 15 off? It was really interesting to approach it like that and see see if I get some results. You got I think you got to, with anything like that, you got to do it over time and really track it. Luckily, I'm recording all this into the podcast, so it's staying there forever. So I can go back and listen and kind of analyze it and then see if there's any improvement. So the thing like, you know, I don't play gigs hardly at all um, as, a, as a side man. Like I don't go out and do that thing. I don't pursue uh, trying to do the next, you know, Katy Perry tour or something like that. It's not my thing at all. So when it 
does come to perform live, it's quite often my own music, um, which I'm very, uh, very thankful for that I get the opportunity to do that. And or or if I'm playing as a sideman, it's with a very select few people. So I definitely do more work on my instrument at home these days than I do on the road. It's definitely not being on the road for nine months, you know, playing a bunch of random music and then coming home and practicing for a couple of months. It's definitely like being home for at least six or seven months working hard on the instrument and developing yeah, new routines and regimes and concepts and ideas and then going out and playing some very concentrated, uh, pretty high intensity from from a lot of angles shows um, of generally of my own music. And I, that has definitely switched, obviously, from earlier on in my career where I would play a lot of different shows throughout the year with a lot of different people. I wouldn't really get a chance to practice that much because um, I was too busy learning like the next set of music for the next artist or busy maintaining that over a long period of time and trying to be consistent playing the same stuff. So really fun to to not do that now, to have to, really fun to have done that and really interesting to, to be doing what I'm doing now, which is working on my own thing and kind of seeing how, how I can develop. It's, it's tough, I would say. I think this is the thing I struggle with the most. It's tough because I can't play 150 shows a year right now with my own music. Um, and I'm not sure I would want to unless they were all of like a certain level. Like 150 shows is number one, a lot of shows no matter who you're playing with. Uh, number two, it's to try and maintain consistency of like venue size or audience quality or logistics and all of that stuff through 150 shows is, is a big, big ask no matter who you are, I think. I think I'd prefer to concentrate on fewer shows, but better audience engagement and and kind of better conditions, traveling and accommodation, all that kind of stuff. So not having that immediate feedback all the time about what's working and what isn't that 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 presents itself as a challenge. I, I listen to so many stand-up comedians and like the the, the Joe Rogan's Bill Burr's, all Jerry Seinfeld, all these people that go out and do so many sets. I've got a comedy store or a comedy cellar in New York or a store here in, in LA and just practice and work on material and get that feedback. Because it, it, it's an amazing concept because they are looking for a show. Like they're looking to put an hour or an hour and a half together so they can record their next special. I've been following this kind of like what that concept is. So like every year or two years, they're like working on a new hour, a new 90 minute routine that they can put into a special and then kind of hit you know, shift Apple, delete, empty the trash, and then start all over again. And there's like a cycle like that. I guess it's similar with an with an album. You record an album, you, you get this music together, and then you go on the road and you tour that album. But for an improvising, improvising musician like myself, it's that changes a lot every night. So it, rather than trying to get that perfect hour or 90-minute routine, I'm looking to try and get as close to perfection in terms of the consistency of my ability to perform every night. And I think consistency is such a huge key no matter what the what the art form is, what the end goal is. I'm talking too much, I should be practicing this thing as well. Um, but I really want that to be in that, to be able to get to that flow state, to be really not be conscious, not be thinking about anything when I get out on the stage. 
to know the music well enough that I don't have to think, oh, do we go to the A section here? Or the, is there a repeat? Or how many times does the coda? None of that stuff, of course. That's like basic fundamental stuff. But then definitely once it gets to the blowing, once it gets to the improvising, the interaction, the communication, the storytelling, definitely don't want to be thinking about anything. I want to be relying on the fact that I've put in a lot of hours at home. So I guess that's that's what anyone who's listening, that's what you guys are getting a, a look inside that process. It's a daily process. I don't know how often I'm going to be able to do the podcast, but as long as I'm here thinking, talking, practicing, playing, I'll throw the mic up and and hit record. And hopefully we can catch us some capture some moments over these uh, over these podcasts and uncover uncover some issues. There are plenty of them. Um, <laughs> been working quite a bit lately. God, the intonation is so bad. I'm like four or five days away from going to Sweden and seeing Anders and finishing the bass. We've got the four-string version of the new bass is being made right this second as I talk, as you listen. And in a few days, I'll go to Sweden and finish working on both five strings and the new four-string. And Anders can rescue this bass that the, the dude who set it up here in LA, he just butchered it a few months ago. It has not been the same since. And Anders will save it, thankfully, and the intonation will not be, not be an issue but it is right now, damn. Which makes playing these really specific, tight voicings, God, the intonation has to be so good to make that stuff sing, to be melodic. I love these voicings with the minor nine interval in them, check that out. Really, really crunchy. There's like a B flat in the bass and a B natural in the top. This is all like Tim Miller kind of voicings. There are moments when I wish there was video going on right now because Cole is literally three feet from me chasing his tail in a circle. Unbelievable. This is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these are some Tim Miller kind of voicings, just inversions. Um, kind of crunchy inversions that do actually work pretty well on the bass up high like that really nice compositionally like I get a lot of get a lot of ideas from that and also importance as always of practicing all that stuff in multiple keys in a tangent like that you know because three minutes ago I was practicing this stuff so I don't tend to restrict myself too much some things restriction is a really great tool you know uh, if I'm working on motivic development or just something really specific that needs work in my technique or my playing restriction can be awesome so I will there I go through periods of that but normally 
I don't mind jumping around all over the place. And as long as the intent is there, as long as I'm thinking about, I want, I want these chords to sing. I want to, I want to hear those. I want to hear those melody notes. I'm playing chords, but I want to hear the entire thing as a melody. making no apologies for any vocal noise i know people hate that shit but it's a thing it's not going anywhere i'm not trying to change it so the diehard coffee drinkers i'm sure will deal and it's amazing the amount of stick i take from like hey man i really wish uh Really wish you, really wish you wouldn't make those, those noises. You know, like, what's up with that? But then the exact same people are like, so, um, what's the importance of singing everything you play and vocalizing everything? It's unbelievable how people. I'm like, well, you, 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 you want to know about the thing that you're telling me you hate? So you know, make up your mind. And it is super important to me to to vocalize all that stuff, which is why there is that sound. <laughs> I'm not trying to sing every note, but I am trying to make sure the idea is coming from my brain as opposed to the, 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 the facility on the instrument dictating the music. That's always the wrong way around to my ear. Should be music first and then have technique to facilitate whatever it is you're hearing. And as long as you do that, it all, it all, all ends up being honest. And you know, as you can easily hear, I'm, I'm an awful singer, but the time is, is really about the time and about the phrasing when it comes to vocalizing what I'm doing. And that hap that can be just like a that kind of thing, like a little Keith Jarrett from the I was going to say Keith Jarrett from the 70s, but that's Keith Jarrett from the 60s, the 70s. The, actually, that's Keith Jarrett from all time. Um, and there's rhythm there. There's phrasing, even though it's like it, it, it sounds maybe awful. <laughs> I guess I wouldn't like to listen to it on a mic. But then I never put up a mic when I'm actually playing. And people tend to bitch and moan like about the, it on YouTube videos and stuff. It's like You do realize it's YouTube, right? This is not... YouTube is not the performance venue. It's not the arena to enjoy a musical performance. It's total bullshit. If that's the only place you listen to music or watch music or experience music, boy, are you missing out. And you are shortchanging yourself like crazy. Like The next time you go to search something on YouTube, stop yourself and go search like what the next great live show is that's happening in your area. And try and stay away from YouTube until you get to that show. You'll be so crazy to hear some music by the time you get to that show. You'll remember everything about it. And it will be an experience just a thousand times stronger than that 30-second burst of crap on YouTube. And I'm not trying to be all high and mighty here and holier than thou. I watch YouTube just as much as you do. But the real experience comes from going to shows and experience, experiencing music in real time played by played by real people that you can even say hi to after the show or you know experience you know 
their interaction, their communication with each other on stage, something you don't really get to experience on YouTube. And I'm just unbelievably lucky that I started playing music in a time that was pre-mass content delivery and pre-attention span being almost zero, you know. And I think as bad as I am at, do at doing exactly what I just suggested now, uh, number one, I do it more than almost anyone I know. Number two, I'm just super lucky that I got years and years and years and years of that in before the internet took over. And um, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. I would go, when I first started playing, I would go to shows every night for, for, for weeks. You know, I had, Lawrence Cottle was my mentor. He would take me to almost every show he was playing. I would just soak it all up, you know, like a, like a sponge, record everything. I had a little cassette player, dictaphone thing. Um, amazing. Just what an archive of information. And then while the information was still fresh, I would go home and transcribe that stuff every night and really be just so inside the music. It's that, that freshness, you know, if you can listen back to that music, you know, right after it's happened and really analyze it, get inside it and remember those moments, like have those sensory, uh, like short-term sense memory things. Like, you know, when you were sitting at the bar and you heard that one thing played, you're like, oh, that's the thing I really want to learn. And you would like scrub through the cassette, at least I would scrub through the cassette tape to find that moment and then rewind and play, rewind, play, rewind, play over and over and over and over again until you figured out what it was. And then those are the things that never go away. Those are the things that you can rely on day in and day out. Those are what make us consistent musicians. Um, it's those things, the more, you, the more you've done of them, that's what makes the difference between a good musician and a great musician, I think. And um, of course, no substitute for going out and actually playing as well, not just listening. So the more you can play, the better. The more you can surround yourself with, with those people. And of course, you go out to see shows, you're going to meet a ton of other people that are there for the same reason. So it's a win-win situation, like a 360-degree win. You hear music, you meet people that want to make music. The next day you skip going to a show, but you go to a jam session or you invite people. It's just kind of missed that. Been kind of a little bit depressed in LA, got to say. Um, just feels like a bit of a lack of uh, community, I think. Oh, somebody wants to go out. Really? I'm in the middle of a thought. Explaining my depression. And you want to go out. All right. Well, I guess this is the first unscheduled break. And no, I'm not editing. You're going to hear me walk to the door, let the dog out, and come right back. Come on, That is one happy dog. But yeah, talking about being a little bit kind of depressed about that, living in LA, having spent so long in New York, London before that, then a little bit in Boston, and then a decade in New York. LA is such a huge, for anyone who doesn't live here or hasn't been here or can't picture it, it's a, it's a huge place, you know. 
it's kind of a mystery like Los Angeles what what is Los Angeles where exactly is Los Angeles what makes up Los Angeles well if you look at just if I look at my friends who are musicians who live all over the place that's a really big area you know if I think of musicians who live in Los Angeles you're talking about I don't know 40 50 60 miles east west from Santa Monica to Rancho Cucamonga or, or wherever it might be way out down the 210 to Pasadena or just just it's just a huge area valley orange county long beach you, you name it it's a really big area to cover and not so much of like a centrally located nucleus of of hang i think that's that's what new york kind of had for me at least anyway uh and maybe i was just younger Maybe I was just like way more into like searching it out. Maybe that stuff totally exists in LA, but I kind of know a little bit of what's going on here. And it's definitely not something I'm like, oh yes, must, must, must be a part of this. Must go out and do this. Must make the efforts. So yeah, it's just definitely a strange time right now. And um, even though a lot of people I think are moving here, like moving away from New York because New York is just pricing everyone out of being able to live there for the most part. Um, at least that's what, you know, I haven't lived there in 10 years, but that's what a lot of people are telling me. Um, I think that even though people are moving out here, they have road gigs, they're older, like my generation, a little bit older and uh, moving around, not exactly trying to hang out from 11 p.m. until 6 a.m. like we used to 15, 20 years ago, which is understandable. But at the same time, I don't think it's really developing such a an amazing crop of like artistically responsible creators, you know. And uh, and that's that's a little sad. And I definitely find when I go back to New York, like the game is definitely upped there. Like the intensity is still there. Like maybe the maybe the crazy. Uh, you know, melting pot of, of, of the world's greatest is not as it was you know, 40, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, but it definitely feels like, especially from a drumming standpoint, I don't know why I always go to that. That's like probably my most thought about and uh, missed aspect of New York is like the, the drummers. Um, I always find that that game is like way upped when I'm when I'm in New York compared to LA. And as a bass player, you guys know coffee drinkers, bass players, if you're out there, you know how important it is to to really have that partnership, have that marriage between you and the drummer. And how crazy great it can make the experience if those things are in line and they're working and you know, you could you have that that feeling where you kind of feel invincible when you've got someone when you're playing with someone who knows exactly you're thinking on the same wavelength and of course it exists in LA I just don't think it exists as much or with the same intensity as I remember New York you know kind of like the Clarence Penns Jojo Mayers uh, Jeff Tame Wads Nate Smiths like those kind of Sean Rickman Mark Juliana like crazy great drummers an artist was well, crazy. As I think about that, I think of how each of those musicians are artists as well. Like 
Clarence Penn, who's like crazy sideman, does so many sideman gigs, has a ton of albums out as a band leader and does leader dates. Jojo, obviously, with Nerve. Um, Tane for many years. Nate Smith, like, just kind of crushing it right now all over and doing doing his own thing. Juliana, like, gets off one tour with one band of his, goes on another tour with another band of his, like, back-to-back, always on the creative front. Heavy collaboration stuff, you know, with Donnie McCaslin and uh, Brad Meldo and those kind of people. Don't see that so much in LA. A few pockets here and there, but not as strong. So, little source of depression. Past few months. Musically speaking, everything else is kind of good. Everything else feels feels very good right now. Got engaged recently. This was amazing. Couldn't be happier. Planned, I was going to say planned the wedding. I didn't plan anything. I said yes and no sometimes and Chelsea basically did all the work and kind of crushed it but pretty amazing wedding coming up next year which is something to look forward to in a big way played with Bobby two nights ago at the the Spud I wonder I wonder see this is all kind of new this setup and doing this again and I wonder if I can get access to some footage, some audio from the other night. Ruslan was on fire. He was playing so good. There are a couple of moments, like I think, I want to say feedback was a good moment. Um, Bob, Spud, November 2018, yes. Individual files not labeled. Damn it. Well, let's find out. Yeah, well, there we are. Oh, there's the intro. Wait for it, wait for it. Gonna be some cheesy Guizdala reharms in a second. Okay. so caught up in a reham he missed the bridge but I give him a pass Gene Coy playing drums Sean was out of town I guess it must have been yeah so we had Gene playing drums yeah
see, Rosalind is one of the few few guys who's so interactive. He's like the random New York guy living in LA, although he never lived in New York. They don't go in sequence. Here we go. <laughs> Literally just playing off the GoPro footage in preview right now. Especially with piano, and I can speak to this because I play so much with Rosalind. We have so much of a similar background in terms of our listening tastes and our kind of melodic and harmonic sensibility is amazing. The power we hold as bass players uh, to give the right platform to the musician at the right time. And I, I just had this feeling like, okay, give Rosalind a pedal. We're, we're already vamping just on A flat here, but my bass line up until this point was kind of, <laughs> it, was, it was moving around a little bit. It was like, funky he says in air quotes um but this was like okay hit the octave pedal get the sub in there and give us uh just just this like big bed this big carpet like comfy shag pile carpet to to to, to mess around on and that's so i'm still playing kind of funky here again the air quotes in massive use here But then I kind of feel like we're going to the next level here. Octave pedal. And we get a little me mellow. And Russ is, but he's developing ideas there. Like, this is the important stuff. See, fuck me. 47 minutes and 51 seconds, we actually get to some shit in the podcast. God damn it. Why can't we start? This is this is something to think about. Why can't we start out at forty-seven minutes and fifty seconds? That's the goal. Why has there got to be forty-seven minutes and fifty seconds of bullshit before we get to the moment? But that's the process. I shouldn't be mad at it because that is the process. Nothing's changed there. Sometimes it takes time to get through the bullshit and to get to the moment. And here we are. We're having our first moment. I'm having my first moment. I'm fucking banging my fist on the on the on the on the desk but uh let's go over that again that's a good moment <laughs> 
As soon as I as soon as I hit the octave thing, we got into this. Oh, now the cat. <laughs> now the cat is making making overtures at the dog. Yeah, okay, it's all right. You just both want to be on the podcast, huh? It's a total chaos. I get to the moment, and then total chaos breaks out in here. Go on. Now they are both under my desk, sitting at my feet. Unbelievable. See, yeah, again. But this is it. <laughs> Ironically, the only times I've wanted there to be video in this almost hour-long podcast is for the cuteness of the of the animals. It's got nothing to do with music at all. The cuteness of the human experience or creature experience. Anyway, let's get back to this thing with Russ. As soon as I hit the octave thing, we got a little mellow. Like, check out the difference in dynamic from the from the grooving. Where are we here? Come on. Right here. Oh. So we got the kind of, you know, fourth fret, mid-rangey, funky finger style. So then I went to da 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 da. I just went to up up to the to the tw uh uh. Jeez, can I can I remember where the notes are on my instrument? To the eleventh fret, A string, and then started pedaling that A flat, kind of open. That changed the dynamic a little bit right there, and then. I hit the octave and then it got a little more mellow from from what Russ was playing and he started again it was like a new wave of ideas a new starting point even though we were two and a half minutes into the solo like to have that dynamic ability to go way way up and then come down and still make the next climb even more powerful that's huge that's communication that is that, that, that that's a that's a band working together and and serving the music serving each other listening big time wanting each other to succeed not not being selfish at all like taking the ego out of the equation you know so let's go over that little sequence we, we just got that like like i said fourth fret a uh, a flat on the e string kind of funky let's say air quotes again typical kind of bass breaststroke comping sound then going up and playing eighth notes da, 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 on the on the a flat on the a string 11th fret and then hitting the sub and then listening to how rustling goes and really opens up and develops these ideas and starts superimposing all these harmonies over the top of the a flat um here we go pedal now the octave Made it to the one in time. <laughs> yeah. So beautiful shape, great communication, whole band, you know.
Bob looks over at me, gives me like, hey, you want to you wanna play on this? I'm like, nope, we just had great solo. I don't think I have anything to add to that. You know, it's like, took me a long time to figure that one out. Like, I was always like, eyes on the band leader, like, hey, when's it my turn? You know, uh, can I go next? Can I go next? Me, 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 me. You know, like, I got all this shit to say. Do I really have anything to say? No, I just, you know, the greatest thing I ever did was start recording my shows and listening back. I'm going to mute that high pitch. Goddamn, that's so much of a relief when that goes off. Got to figure that out. Hopefully before the next podcast. It won't happen, but I'm going to say hopefully before the next podcast. But yeah, the best thing I started doing was recording the shows and listening back and thinking, oh man, you really don't have anything to say. You were trying way too hard. It was the wrong moment. And you got to learn when to, when to pick your moments and when to say yes, when to say no, when to take the lead, when to play the supporting role. And of course, this is a unique situation because me and Bob known each other. Well, me and Bob Roslin known each other for twenty years, and we play together so much that we kind of ha- we don't really have to. There's no ego there, which is number one, hugely important. Really appreciate that about working with those two guys. And um, even though Bob, you know, he's the band leader, and he's off to the side because Russ is playing, and and, and we get to the the, the, the end of Russ's solo, and he, Bob looks over at me like, "Hey, you want to you want to go?" That's just what is that? that's courtesy or uh, whatever that is it's just like hey what's up here let's check in with with each other and i was definitely not in the mood to go after rosling because it was such a great solo and it I, I could go the whole night and not play a solo i think it's a really nice place to be or to have found you know, the ability to be like okay i'd <laughs> I'm a bass player at the end of the day and I'm a, forget about the bass I'm a musician at the end of the day and I think the better our ability is to like listen to what's going on around us and be like oh you know what this is great I don't need to add anything else to this than I, than I already perhaps have as my comping supporting role as a bass player let it go um, and then there are moments where I'm like, okay, this is going on way too long. There'll be a, another soloist and we'll feel that out. That, you know, maybe Bob is playing long or Russell is playing long and we'll all kind of work together to, 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 to bring each other back to, back to the center, back to, back to reality. And, uh, so it's, it, the more we play, obviously, the more you play, the more situations you can get yourself into where you play with the same people over and over again, you're going to realize that happens way more naturally. Um, and that does happen with Bob and Roslyn and normally Sean on drums. That happens way more naturally. But really good uh, good to be able to do both things. And the, the older I get, the, the less I play on play so in terms of solos. Even, again, even though that isn't what makes it to YouTube or Instagram for the most part. Um, but long, long form albums, you know, listening to albums and seeing how many bass solos there are on an album, be that mine or anyone's. Um, and listening to an entire show and seeing how much content each person adds to the adds to the performance in terms of soloistic material, it's quite evenly balanced. And there's, as a bass player, it's amazing, right? Because there's so many things we can do melodically with a bass line where we don't have to stand out front or be on top. You know, we can affect the harmony and the reharmonization and melodic elements in our bass lines that add to and enhance the soloist but don't put us in the spotlight so cool 
But yeah, great that we got to that moment of uh, of comping for Roslyn. And I think it goes in, plays next. on the ballad I don't know what else we got like Miami is not southern but Jacksonville gets pretty southern it's like close to Georgia anyway that's right Miami is not southern and Jacksonville is really close to Georgia and is way more southern um, so yeah okay so that worked that was good I'm happy I grabbed that maybe I'll even prepare material I don't know it was kind of nice that it just happened and uh Maybe that's the spirit that this thing should be going down in, is that just thinking things off the top of my head. Hopefully the things keep coming. <laughs> Otherwise it'd be a lot of silence. Um, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about this this morning. There's an awesome Till Bronner solo. Whoops, again, i got to get this. That high pitch thing is killing me. But um, he's playing Thousand Kisses Deep, the... Leonard Cohen shoot. Jeez, took me a second there. You can go find this on my Instagram. It's from a couple of months ago. I transcribed it, played it. Oh, squirrel in the front yard. <laughs> yeah. Took one look at Cole and Charlotte and went, yeah, not the front yard for me. Talk about time and sound. So badass. So maybe that's a parting musical thought for the end of the podcast. I've realized I put my bass down like 30 minutes ago after I let the let the dog out. And have totally ignored the practicing for today or for this moment. Um, <sighs> feels good. And knowing that I'm going to travel next week, like I said, I'm going to Sweden to see Anders. I'm actually going to get to see Chelsea in uh, in uh, Roskilde, like just outside Copenhagen in Denmark. Um, one of her shows with Morgan James and Doug Womble. Go check out morganjames.com. Check out that tour schedule. Chelsea is all over that European tour for like three weeks. If you are around in any of those cities, um, it, there's so many. Uh, Wrocław and Paris and Roskilde and Alborg, London. I, I know they're playing the Sage 2 in Gateshead. Uh, I want to say Liverpool, Bristol, Birmingham, Glasgow, Dublin, Belfast. I mean, it's crazy tour. Really Really cool tour. Some German dates, some Frankfurt, Berlin, and Cologne, I want to say. It's kind of, I'm mean, sitting in front of the internet and I'm trying to remember these dates off the top of my head. But just go check out morganjames.com. She's an awesome singer and uh, they're very good friends of ours. Doug Womble, incredible guitar player um, and singer. He's actually playing. I, I don't know why I forget about this. I forget about this record and it's casually the, the record of mine that gets spun the most or stream the most on uh, on on Spotify and lost platforms um, but Doug is on the space in between Doug we did a cover of um, see now I'm frantically trying to pull it up on 
on Spotify. We did a cover of, uh, there's that high pitch again. God damn it. We did a cover of Little Dragons twice. Which was a lot of fun. And there's Doug playing guitar. And he sings, sings the vocal on this. Odin Vaga playing trumpet and that's Jojo Mayer on drums. It's crazy, right? They, they, they didn't do this shit with books or new movies. Just, hey, pay us 10 bucks a month and you can have everything. Been thinking about that a lot lately. Maybe that's one for tomorrow's podcast. Thoughts on music industry stuff. Because I rented a movie to watch last night. Oh no, a couple of nights ago I rented a movie on iTunes or Amazon or something. I was like, yeah, I could buy this movie for like $14.99. I could rent it for $5.99. But it was a new movie and it wasn't on Netflix subscription streaming. It wasn't on Amazon Prime subscription streaming. It was, yeah, you can buy this or you can rent it for a large amount of money. And I read ebooks a lot. I love reading ebooks. I pay for all of those happily as well, not begrudgingly. I think, man, a lot of work went into those. Of course, I'm going to pay for it. But music, not so much. And I heard iTunes are doing away with the store element, and that's going to be streaming only. So we kind of get into this place where we're making all this stuff, and there's no, no kind of front end. Well, there's Bandcamp. There are a few places you can do it yourself, I guess. But the direction is heading away from hey this is a new release this is new you should buy this thing and uh and then hey maybe once it's out of date and there's a new one out maybe you can go stream it for for a monthly subscription later on and have access to that forever but um yeah it doesn't doesn't seem to happen video games books movies still all at least on the front end, I know that you know Netflix will have a bunch of movies and you can stream them, and Amazon has a bunch of movies you can stream them for a subscription, but not the new shit. I don't see like Mission Impossible Twenty Seven being on my you know included in your Amazon Prime. I don't see that. I see yes, please give us twenty four ninety nine. <laughs> More often than not, and you ask like nine ninety nine for an album, and people are outraged. So I'm still a massive fan of technology and moving forwards and streaming and all those things i think maybe we just got to find a happy medium about that maybe i'll have some have some thoughts on that tomorrow but uh, yeah until then coffee drinkers thank you for listening uh don't email me please don't email me i'm gonna make a point of saying that in every single podcast because i just cannot keep up i have someone working on some emails for me for the for Yannick Space Studio and for the store and stuff like that doing basic customer service but I just cannot keep up with emails so I'm going to try and find the solution 
you know, I interact with all the members at the base studio, yannickspacestudio.com. Um, people are able to comment and ask questions below the lessons and I can have this like direct feedback. So that's kind of where I, I like to spend my time if I'm going to spend it kind of doing that online interaction thing. Uh, if it's going to be a two-way street, really. It's super rewarding. It's very worthwhile. And I know the students get a lot out of it. So that's kind of that place. But I, if somebody sends me another email saying, hey, so what is your signal chain? Guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, YouTube. As much as I shit all over YouTube earlier on, it, it is useful. <laughs> I don't make any secret of my pedal chain or what octave pedal I use. Or you know, I post that stuff on Instagram or on YouTube. I explain it. There are videos out there take more than three seconds to to do the work yourself i should have like the most comprehensive faq frequently asked questions page somewhere but i think even if i did that people would just like hey man so um yeah what size shoe do you i mean you know some of the questions get that that silly and um the instagram dms I, it's amazing like people are interested i get it like people are interested they're commenting that it's beautiful it's an amazing thing but i just if people get pissed about me not getting back to them on Instagram DM, I I don't know what what reality you're living in, but I get hundreds of hundreds of those bad boys every day, and it's just kind of impossible. Also, if somebody like buys one of my books, there are a lot of you out there. I really appreciate that. That's a very rewarding thing for me to put all that effort in for people to go out and dig it and give me positive feedback. Love that. There's really life changing in a big way. Um, so thank you guys for that. But if people honestly think that Facebook and Instagram, even YouTube comments, are the place for customer service, woo, don't know what to tell you. You're going to wait a really, really long time for a reply. Sometimes I see that stuff and I'm like, hey, you're kidding me, right? You're sending me a DM on Instagram about something that you got. And when you, whenever you purchase, like, like anything, you get Verizon. Like you <laughs> You don't go and find like Steve who works at Verizon in Kentucky or Delaware or something and then send him a direct message on, on his Instagram asking about your Verizon. No, you, you, you email like support at verizon.net. So same thing for me. Just want to make people aware of that. Uh, whenever, if, if you buy something, there's a download issue or links ran out or something. If, if there's a thing, there's an email like in your receipt. Use that and someone will get back to you right away. I guess I'll keep reminding people of that because it's really useful and you'll get a better situation out of it. You will get better customer service if you go to the right place. I just, it just always amazes me when I see that stuff like, wow, Facebook is not the place for customer service. Anyway, I'm ranting now. So rather than being a dick about it, I will leave it at that. Um, and yeah, the, the, the Instagram thing, pretty pretty crushing lately. Love it really really enjoying that making content for it it's super quick super efficient the app is easy to use this whole stories thing like i sound like i'm 80 years old and i've just discovered instagram but no i'm honestly digging that and the, the feedback and the interaction uh that happens on the you know the stories and the, and the feed and stuff can't thank you guys enough for that really very important part of my of my day it's almost like that thing I was talking about with the stand-up comedians earlier on. Like they go out and do sets and, and practice stuff. And they do five minutes here and 
tight 15 over here or whatever especially getting ready for big shows i've been listening to joe rogan talking about getting ready for he just played at some huge arena ten thousand people or something in toronto and getting ready for that went out and did like four or five sets the week leading up to that and instagram can be a little bit like that on a on a micro preparation level you know you get some immediate feedback good and bad it's like from an audience you tell a joke and it sucks they go boo or you know whatever that's an instant feedback you know you know where you're going right where you're going wrong so i appreciate you the audience being the real-time producers and real-time music critics um as long as it's constructive and not just mean for the sake of being mean because nobody needs that shit um i appreciate that and i strive to maintain some consistency in that area and in like instagram and stuff and hopefully now here with the with the podcast this is fun easy to do great to get to that moment with Rosalind and analyze it i'm going to go back and work on that now because there are a couple of nice melodic ideas he had and i think that is easily transferable to the bass so that's my what are we 151 p.m that's easy take a little lunch work on some melodies Maybe you guys do the same. Um, YannickGustalo.com. The store is there. Every If anyone's asking me questions about the core book, the ultimate, it's all there. It's at the store. Uh, enough said about that. You can get actually 15% off the cost of Chordal Harmony right now. That's running right now if you use the coupon base chords at checkout. Look at that. I waited an hour and 10 minutes to do an ad. Didn't even plan on it. It's not really an ad. The, the shit is, you guys know the shit is there. Um, you can just get 15% off of Call of Harmony right now if you use the coupon code base chords at checkout. And with that, I'm out of here. That was a nice tight hour, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I got some work to do. I know. We'll come back a little more technically advanced tomorrow, maybe with some better headphones and less of a hiss when I play shit through the computer. So, um, Appreciate you guys. Appreciate all the coffee drinkers. And uh, see you all soon.